there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The volume. All right, this week on Prime Cuts, Chad Millman, Sharper Square, tough week. Listen closely, John Middlecoff on the Niners losing streak and quarterback prospects and my top takes of the week. Let me start by applauding teams I don't applaud much, the Chicago Bears. So on the trade deadline, They went and gave up a second round pick for a defensive end into his prime, going into his prime, Montez Sweat from the Commanders. Now, Washington has a surplus of defensive linemen, so they moved Chase Young, erratic injuries, a bit of an ad libber to the 49ers. But Montez Sweat is more reliable. And if you're going to pay a defensive player, who does Kansas City pay? Chris Jones, defensive lineman. Who do the Rams pay on defense? Aaron Donald, defensive lineman. If you go look at who the top GMs in the league are absolutely always willing to pay, it's a good edge rusher or elite interior defensive lineman, of which there are not many. So the Bears get a player in Montez Sweat for a second round pick who will be better than 90% of the players they could draft in the second round and probably over half of the players they could draft in the first. And Since the Bears are probably going to move off Justin Fields, they're not going to be paying their quarterback for four years. Now, because you do this mid-season, the player now has the leverage, right? Montez Sweat has the leverage. He knows what you gave up to get him. So the agent and the player have the leverage, but he's a really good player. He's a top 10 sack guy. He's going into his prime and you got to pay for those guys. And he's better than anybody you're going to get in the second round. My guess on the defensive line, the elite edge rushers, the elite prospects, defensive linemen, those guys along with left tackles and star quarterbacks, they're gone in the first eight to 12 picks. So I don't have a problem with it. I think Chicago fans look at the Chase Claypool move that didn't work. Chicago gives up a second round pick for him. First, it's a lot easier to get a wide receiver out of college that's productive than an elite edge rusher in the second round. There are receivers everywhere 
in college football and everywhere in the draft. Look at the Rams, Puka Nakua, fifth round. He's a star. So, and also I even understood why the Bears rolled the dice on Chase Claypool. They were trying to decipher if Justin Fields could play and all they had was Mooney, a small twitchy receiver. Claypool was a big physical receiver who can block. I, I would struggle to give up a second for him, but you could see giving up a third. So they may have reached a little, but I got their reasoning in Chicago for doing the Chase Claypool deal. They had a tight end Cole commit. They had Mooney. They were trying to furnish fields with players to see if this is the guy. By the way, this is what Atlanta's doing. They go get B. John Robinson running back first round, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, good old line. And they have decided Desmond Ritter is not it. They're benching him now for Taylor Heineke. So when Bijan Robinson got picked by the Falcons, I defended it running back in the first round. I said, they're trying to figure out if the quarterback can play. If you give them second tier players, you'll never know. You'll have to guess. Falcons have an offensive coach, good young weapons, and Desmond Ritter can't score with them. Time to move off him. That's what they're doing. So Montez Sweat for the Bears. Yes, you'll have to pay him. Okay. All right. The bottom line is you're going to draft another quarterback. You have the space to do it. And this dude can absolutely play uh, going into his prime, mid to later 20s. Uh, and those guys cost money. I'm okay with the Bears doing it. All right, the 49ers giving up a third round pick for Chase Young. Well, Chase Young can be an erratic player, sort of an ad liver, and he's had some injuries. So he's never been as good as we think. But opposite Bosa, who's getting double teamed on every snap, it gives them another edge. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be great. I mean, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa are playing for the Chargers, and they're underwhelming. They also have a coach many believe should be fired. But I think that what the 49ers are looking at, they're, they got their first round pick, they got their second round pick, and you start looking at the third round pick for the 49ers in this roster, who could start? I mean, they don't need a receiver. They don't need a running back. They've got their quarterback. Debo and Brandon Ayuk, they've got their receivers. They could use a corner and maybe a center, and they'll probably draft that with the first and second round pick. So I get what they're doing. When you have a quarterback that you're really not paying anything to, and I mean, last player picked, you're not paying Brock Purdy anything. Roll the dice. And I think they also, they look around and they see Jalen Hurts and they see Dak. And they see that Lions offensive line. Remember, Dallas, Detroit, and Philadelphia in the NFC have three of the top five offensive lines in the National Football League. Now, the AFC is better than the NFC, but the NFC may have three of the top four or five offensive lines. Eagles, Lions, Cowboys. So one pass rusher is not enough. Armstead, Bosa, now Chase Young. If those teams, Detroit with Jared Goff, Eagles, Jalen Hurts, Dallas, Dak Prescott have better quarterbacks than San Francisco and great O-lines. How do you equalize it? You roll the dice, you give up a third round pick for Chase Young. I get it. Didn't give up a first, didn't give up a second, but by the third round, what percentage of players hit? How many people in the third round are going to be as talented as Chase Young and could immediately play for the 49ers? Even the guys they've hit on in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, most don't play and make an impact immediately. Brock Purdy's rare. So I get it. They're looking at the NFC. 
They're looking at those offensive lines. They're looking to those superior quarterbacks. Can Chase Young be an equalizer so Bosa's not double teamed by good offensive lines on every snap? You know, I've said this before. It's one thing if your brother or sister was more successful than you and lives in another state or across town. But if they're more successful than you and they're your neighbor and you can see the cars and the beautiful house, it stings a little. It's one thing for Brock Purdy to struggle. But when he struggles at home on the same field with Joe Burrow, it's not great. And Burrow was brilliant. And Kyle Shanahan watches that and knows that, you know, he lost to Mahomes in a Super Bowl. And Kyle Shanahan knows his dad won Super Bowls with Elway. And Kyle Shanahan was a coordinator and had Matt Ryan and got beat by Tom Brady. He understands it. Uh, that he's had a Garoppolo or his dad had quarterbacks uh, in his career in Washington that weren't up to snuff. So when you have Burrow playing brilliant today and Purdy had that late fumble, what's the knock on Purdy? Small hands, small hands equal fumbles. He got hit from behind. He had a really bad red zone interception, the kind of interception you just can't make. You probably couldn't find one of those in John Elway's career or in Patrick Mahomes' career. You can't throw an interception when a guy's three feet from you. He had another interception in the game. So now, now, Purdy can make throws. He threw the ball two or three times today. Tony Romo pointed it out to George Kittle. Really big time throws. So I, I still think Brock Purdy has talent, but he's a seventh round guy. He's smaller, doesn't have a big arm, mobile, not fast, smaller hands. And I thought when you juxtaposed him with Joe Burrow today, same field, it really looked obvious. And, uh, and, and, and by the way, I saw this all day today. Jalen Hurts with Sam Howell. Sam Howell's competent, but Sam Howell on the field with Jalen Hurts, last couple of drives for Washington, next to last drive, Sam Howell, uh, Missed on one receiver. He had to go down much more catchable ball if an elite quarterback threw it. Then he missed another guy, threw to the wrong guy. And that when you get a Hurts and a Howl, and organizations have to make decisions, or you get a Burrow and a Purdy, and organizations have to make decisions, it's really clearly the gap is massive. I mean, we saw Kirk Cousins, you know, outperform Brock Purdy. That's one thing. You're on the road. At home, kind of ugly. And uh, so, you know, I, I, there's an argument to be made, and I don't think it's crazy. You know how like, years ago you're like, well, you can't draft a kicker. Well, they're often the leading scorer on your team. Of course you can. <laughs> of course you can draft a kicker. Um, you know, you can never take a running back in the first round. There's been a lot of great running backs taken in the first round and have been wildly productive. Um, it's okay. You could probably make an argument, and Belichick did it about every second or third year, that you should draft a quarterback every year, every year. Even if you have Tom Brady was in New England, they were still drafting a quarterback every year, every single year, almost. And uh, I mean, Garoppolo got drafted in the second round and Brady was winning Super Bowls. So um, I, I just look at San Francisco and you can say, well, you know, they, they, they really missed on Trey Lance, but they hit on Brock Purdy for a seventh round talent. Uh, C.J. Beather, that was a little bit of a miss. Uh, Garoppolo trade, that was a semi-hit, got to a Super Bowl. It's okay. Draft a quarterback every year. There's an argument. There'll be some years you take you take two quarterbacks. You take one early, second round. You take one late, sixth round. It's the only position in football that's worth more than a point. Think how good Jamar Chase is. He's probably worth one point a game in the NFL. And he is sensational. How about that sideline catch dragon is put today? So I just thought when you put Purdy and Burrow on the same field, in Santa Clara is a bad look. What to do with Kansas City's loss to Denver? 
Well, Patrick Mahomes was sick. Uh, I mean, most of us take a day off when we're sick. We don't play in the hardest sport in America. But I think what, what you saw um, today, you saw two things. First of all, Denver now has a run game. And Sean Payton has decided to play younger defensive players. They move off Randy Gregory. So they're playing with a much uh, livelier spirit defensively, right? You know, you, you you let the young kids drive the car. They're having fun now. They're playing a little faster than they were the, a month ago. And they're running the football. I thought their game plan was great. Running the ball. They've got a couple of capable backs. And it, what it does, it takes Mahomes out of rhythm. And Mahomes, uh, not that he needs rhythm to be successful, but any quarterback wants to get in a rhythm. So when you sit on the bench, it's a seven-play drive. It's a nine-play drive. You're sitting on the bench watching. It's cold. You're sick. You're on the road. It all adds up. But there were two plays in this game. And this is really what you worry about. The trade deadline is Tuesday. So they've already made one move at wide receiver, but there was the Rasheed Rice drop in the first half, really bad drop over the middle of the field. That was going to be a substantial gain, bad drop. Then Sky Moore, uh, I wrote it down here, Sky Moore had a drop for a touchdown in the end zone. This team is not a great team. It's got a great coach, a great tight end, a great quarterback, and a great Chris Jones in the defensive front. It's not a great team because in football now, weapons matter. Cincinnati's got them. Philadelphia's got them. The top teams in this league, uh, Detroit's got them. Dallas could use one more, but C.D. Lamb. Weapons matter. They don't have an elite wide receiver. I'd argue the Chiefs not only don't have a one, they don't have a two. Rasheed Rice is nice. At this point, he's a three or a four. Maybe by the end of the year, he develops into a two. So they go to the Jets. They get a wide receiver who knows their system. He's a three to a four. So I, I do think it's something. I, I think against the Cincinnati or a Baltimore, and I think right now those teams are as good, and they just have more speed on the outside. You know, Odell Beckham, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, even Nelson Aguilar for Baltimore. These are veteran players who have been around. They can make plays. So I, I, there's a lot of things that compounded Mahomes' uh, flu today on the road. Denver's running out of rhythm, lots of drops. But I would say the margin for error for Kansas City is slimmer this year. Uh, think about it. Name the game they look great offensively. They haven't. They had a great first half, did the Chiefs against Brandon Staley and the Chargers defense. They had a great first half. They really haven't put together a great game like what Cincinnati did today, where you really felt you were watching a Super Bowl-level team beginning to end. I mean, you watch Cincinnati, interceptions, defensive plays, sacks, strips, uh, Jamar Chase, Burrow, long drives, quick drives. Uh, you know, when they, when they get the interception, turn around, Burrow to Jamar Chase, right side end zone, like quick strike. Like Cincinnati today, that's a master class on how to beat a really good team in the 49ers. Kansas City has not had one of those this year against a semi-quality team. Great half against the Chargers, who are a bit of an undercoached mess. So I, I wouldn't make too much of it, but I think it's a reality of what Kansas City is. They let Tyreek Hill go, agreed with it for all the picks they got, but they're really young. Sky Moore, Rice, they're really young wide receiver. And those guys aren't superstars. They're developing players who potentially become, become really nice complimentary two and three receivers. I don't see Sky Moore as a one. Rice could be a really strong two. Uh, but this is Travis Kelsey's team, right? Go look at the targets and the catches today. This is Travis Kelsey's offense and Mahomes and Andy Reid. There's a saying in football that uh, winning is not a quarterback stat. And tonight's a great example. Um, Kenny Pickett has significantly better wide receiving talent, a significantly better roster. Um, 
at home, much more support, better defensive front to pressure Will Levis. And Will Levis, for most of the night, outplayed him with a very Spartan, very mediocre receiving tight end core on the road, this franchise in a rebuild with multiple offensive line injuries. Now, it's important to note, because I know we have a history of, you know, Brady going in the sixth round and Dak Prescott going in the third or fourth round and Russell Wilson in the third round. Remember, Will Levis was a first round. He was a lottery talent in terms of arm talent. He he has a huge arm. Mom went to Yale, was a four-point college student. He just turned people off in the interview process. Uh, a lot of the gun show stuff, uh, too cocky. So he was a first round talent that dropped to the top of the second. Kenny Pickett, two general managers told me, uh, and a couple of the best guys in the league, Kenny Pickett was a top of the third to middle third talent, but he was a Pittsburgh kid and the Steelers needed a quarterback now. And it was a bad quarterback class. And so you can see when they play. Uh, Levis has a significantly better arm, a special arm. Uh, he's bigger, stronger, thicker, uh, plays with more confidence, uh, easier thrower. Kenny Pickett doesn't have a lot of special, but he's got Pickens, Deontay Johnson, a couple of really good backs. I think a healthier offensive line. He's at home. Winning is not a quarterback stat, right? Now, obviously, the great quarterbacks win more than mediocre quarterbacks or certainly bad quarterbacks. But you can see special with Will Levis. Kenny Pickett has played, I think, 21 games as a pro. And I think he's had one game with multiple touchdown passes. That is hard to do with this receiving core. <laughs> Will Levis has played two games and has one multiple touchdown game. This was a big ask for him. Even on the final drive, that was a big ask. Under pressure, um, not a lot to work with. He drove him down the field. Will Levis is really, really good. And and this is what I mean about Kenny Pickett. Folks, it just doesn't take long. You know, I use the analogy all the time. Uh, I, I, I listen to music. I don't know anything about it. But if you watch The Voice or you watch American Idol, you can tell in 15 seconds who has talent. It doesn't take long. <laughs> and none of us are music executives. I looked it up today. Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. Lamar Jackson, Herbert, Dak, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, you saw brilliance first year. Jared Goff and Tua, you saw brilliance when they finally got an offensive coach, McVay or Mike McDaniel. So Kenny Pickett's not going to be getting an offensive coach soon. Now, people always point to that, well, Josh Allen wasn't very good initially, but I went and looked at his rookie stats. Now, I remember him jumping over people. He was special his first year. He had 10 passing touchdowns and 18 total touchdowns. Yeah, he ran for eight, 630 yards of rushing, seven yards of carry. There was all sorts of special from Josh Allen his first year. All sorts of special. If you don't see it as you get to Thanksgiving, the second year, and that's the, the longest you should have to wait. Will Levis's first start, he had four touchdowns and no picks. Four touchdowns, no picks with that Tennessee tight end wide receiver core and that O-line. So I think you already see Will Levis's talent. And again, he was a top 10 talent arm-wise, brain-wise. People just thought he was off-putting and cocky. The gun show at the Combine. People just didn't like him. He interviewed very poorly. Remember, he was the guy that used to eat the banana peel on put mayonnaise in his coffee. And then a couple of teams asked him about that during the interview process. And he, uh, you know, said, why are you bringing it up? Reportedly, he was kind of uh, brusque in the interviews, blunt. And 
people didn't like it. Executives didn't like it. But he has first round top 10 arm talent. So it, it just doesn't take long. People, there's a rule to me that uh, when you start complaining about play calling and wide receiver drops, you have you have a, a bottom tier quarterback, right? You think Justin Herbert gets great play calling or Mahomes? Mahomes receivers lead the NFL in drops. At some point, you got to make plays. And again, Kenny Pickett will get the win. But I think if you're a Tennessee Titan fan, you got your quarterback. There's no reason to play Ryan Tannehill. None. Uh, Will Levis, big, strong, smart, lets it rip, plays with confidence, thick kid. Uh, I think he got something. Now, this organization, like New England, can't get wide receiver right. Uh, they had A.J. Brown for a minute. Now he's an eagle. But I think you got to be really happy. And I say this regularly, routinely, that I am always rooting for all quarterbacks, even Baker Mayfield to crush it because nothing's worse than watching backups. Nothing. Look at this weekend in the NFL. I mean, there's four games I want to watch. Lamar Jackson's in one of them, two against Mahomes in another one, Burrow and Josh Allen in another one, and Dak against Jalen Hurts in another one. I mean, we're only halfway through the season and there's four games I'm really locked into. And the worst quarterback in, in that group is Geno Smith, who I think led the NFL in passer rating last year. So mediocre quarterback play is a bad, bad watch. Uh, I still feel the same way about Kenny Pickett. I, I, he'll win some games. It's a great organization. I mean, they just draft and develop so well in Pittsburgh, but Will Levis to me, I see special. I see juice. I, I, they got something there. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Three and out, John Middlecoff, former NFL scout, Dallas and Dak are very good as home favorites when they're big home favorites. They play downhill. When that team gets the lead, Micah Parsons pins it back. They're a really, really good team. They don't play well from behind. Uh, if you have an, an elite corner and can take C.D. Lamb out of the game, Dak gets really limited. I mean, he and C.D. really play at a high level. That's a that's, It's not Burrow, Jamar Chase, but it's really special. Um, and I, and I think Dallas is a bit of the ultimate tease. About every third week, they just kick the you-know-what out of somebody. Everybody gets all worked up. Whereas Baltimore narrowly wins all the time. What they do to Detroit is rare. But in the in the AFC, Baltimore wins narrowly. Four, three, like today. They kind of ugly it up and win. And they just sit in the woods. Dallas, if you ask average fans, they think they think Dallas is up here and Baltimore's down there. But Baltimore can win from behind with a lead. I trust Baltimore, a better both sides um, of the ball, complete team. But Dallas does this. When they get a lead, it's very Buffalo. Buffalo's built to play with the lead. They get they play downhill. Uh, then you don't know if they're running or throwing. Josh Allen on play action. Um, so it, I, I don't feel differently. I think the Rams are a bit of fool's gold. And I, I said on Friday on FS1, I thought this was going to be separation weekend. Between the ego, you know, the pretenders and the playoff teams, and the Rams have been doing it on coaching. They have one really good player in their prime. I mean, they need, I mean, they have a really good punter out of the draft, a left guard, a receiver. They have to hit about four more home runs in next year's draft. They have about 70 million, I think, in cap space. Rams are not an elite team. Well, two things Dallas's blowouts all look the same pick sixes, huge special teams plays. That game was over in the first quarter which was kind of nice because there was about 75 games going on this morning. You're like, I don't really need to pay attention to this one. That, that that thing was over so fast. The other thing, you know, sometimes in college when Pac-12 teams in the non-conference play a Midwest or an East Coast team yeah. and it's that 9 a.m. kickoff. Well, the Dallas, how often do they play because of their brand, a home game at 10 a.m. West Coast time? So pretty big disadvantage for the Rams. Obviously, I would imagine McVay in and out of the office throughout the middle of the week. But big picture for the Rams, why would you not entertain trading Aaron Donald? He's 32 years old. What would Belichick, Walsh, this is an opportunity. McVay's grandpa was part of that Niner team. Obviously, you, you know, he's one of, I, I guess they've obviously had some great offensive players, you know, with the Kurt Warner teams, but the, probably the best defensive player, one of them, uh, definitely of my lifetime. If you could get a first round, obviously you get a first round pick, but a one and two twos, you need to reset the franchise. I think that has to be on the table. They're not going anywhere. Now, I mean, the Niners are in second place in that division. Seattle's clearly pretty feisty. They're going to be a playoff team again. Why not? You're not even essentially blowing it up because you still have good offensive pieces. You're just getting more draft capital so you can pivot with a guy 32, will be 33. Let's great defensive and, players aren't usually humming at 35 years old. Yeah, and he was dominant early in that game today. So you you I don't I to me I feel like with Aaron Donald because of his cost and his age you'd get two twos. 
Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you get a first and a, I, I think you could get a one just because of the bidding process. You know, it's like it's like a home. If you're just bidding against yourself, you can kind of lowball. Once multiple people come in and he's just too elite of a player at such a premium position, I think that it might start that way. But so many contenders would bid a, like McCaffrey last year. The Rams had him for a two, a three, and a five. And then the Niners were like, we'll give you a two, three, a four, and a five. So it, it would just drive up the price. I, I do think you could get a one, and maybe it would be a one and a two and a, a three, the fall. Who knows exactly how you'd structure? I do think you'd get a lot right now for a team that's going nowhere. He's clearly their only asset that they could trade and still net a lot back, has to be on the table. And like you said with Dallas, you're just not going to play the Eagles like this, which is who they're going to try to beat. You're going to have to beat them in a real game, right? Where you're not blocking field goals and punts and returning safety punts back for 60 yards. It's probably not going to look like that. Can you just play them straight up and out coach them and not get penalties? And they've struggled in that situation. So this game, like the Giants game, like some of their just blowout games, to me don't look like the real games that they're always so disappointed after they lose. So my take on San Francisco Cincinnati was that it's one thing if you're less successful than your brother and he lives cross town, but if he's your neighbor and you have you see the Maserati in the driveway and that big house, it's kind of painful. He's your neighbor, right? Yeah. Purdy on the same field with Burrow, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, this is not good. I mean, first of all, small hands, end of the game, strip ball comes out. That's the knock. That red zone interception, you've never seen Elway throw one of those. You've never seen Mahomes throw one of those or Burrow. That's a really bad interception in the red zone. I like Brock. He can throw the ball down the field. Had a couple of moves today, a couple of wiggles. I like him. He's a good athlete. Good athlete. But when you put him on the field with Burrow, so Kyle's lost to Brady in a Super Bowl. His dad lost to some great quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, right? Like everybody in the Shanahan family knows, you got to have an Elway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's lost to Mahomes in the Super Bowl with Garoppolo when they outcoached and outplayed him for three quarters. What do you do with Brock Purdy? Do you, do you keep him in-house? I mean, what do you do here? You know, you know when you put him on a field with Burrow, it's not the same game. Do you know what's weird in 49er land? Uh, up until what, Saturday when he was cleared for concussion, it was looking like Sam Darnold was going to play. And I think a lot of people were just intrigued. What was it going to look like? So I was. Right? With Kyle, this offense, <laughs> I was, you were, everyone was. I, I was really excited. Not disappointed when the guy cleared, because like you said, he did play well up until he started turning the ball over left and right toward the end of the game. But this team is built. And this is why Kyle's been able to do it with middle-of-the-road Jimmy Garoppolo. Purdy's been better than that version of Jimmy, but win at such a high rate right. is because their defense dominated. And today, I looked up toward the end of the game. The Bengals had close to 30 first downs. They, they now Obviously, they have an elite uh, quarterback, wide receiver duo. Higgins is healthy. Mixon looked like he was in his prime today, running over 49ers. Their defense is not the same. And they're not built. We've seen Kyle's record on these comebacks in the fourth quarter down eight or more points. That's not how they've ever won. And so when you're getting sliced and diced, and they've handled better quarterbacks and just kept the game close and won those games, they can't win a game where they are getting thoroughly outplayed on the missing tackles, getting run over. Burrow's going to make plays. Now, when he's playing like that, to me, that's like MVP level. He looked as good as he's ever looked, just in terms of physically. Clearly, the calf is long gone. His rhythm and timing in that game just got better and better as the game went on. You were surprised when he missed a pass. But the 49ers, just like last week against Kirk Cousins, if if they're getting shredded on defense in the passing game, 
and they can't get off the field, they're just not going to win. And right now, they're in shambles. Chad Millman, CCO Action <laughs> Network, all odds provided by DraftKings. So, um, NFC teams against Lamar. I like Geno. Don't like him trailing. Don't love him on the road. Uh, don't think this is the best number. But at five and a half, I can see them winning by a touchdown. Again, Geno trailing second half Baltimore. I believe Baltimore, and I've said this for three weeks, is the best team in the league. I think Lamar's my MVP. It's a big number. I hate it, but it's one of those four or five numbers I'll roll with. I would take the favorite Ravens, my MVP, minus five and a half against Seattle, Sharper Square. Dude, this is a, a really brutal week. If you can find consensus on any game, I will cover your entire betting <laughs> table this week. And this game is the centerpiece of the conversation. There is no reason why anybody should be betting on the Ravens. We've got two top 10 defenses. We've got a quarterback in Lamar Jackson who is not good at all as a large favorite, more than a field goal. Not good when he is a large favorite at home. We've got a coach in Pete Carroll who's great as an underdog against the spread. We've got a really good offense, balanced offense in Seattle. And while, while Baltimore's defense is great, it's not that great against the run. So there's no reason anybody should be betting on Baltimore this week. And yet, and yet, this number went up from five and a half and then went down to six. So what that tells you is that the wise guys came in on Baltimore at five and a half and they bet Seattle at plus six. So to me, this is a number game and, and it's going to be about what number are you seeing? Baltimore at five and a half, Seattle at six. I will tell you this, true story. Sunday night, I'm looking at the lines. I decide I, I do the podcast The Favorites with Simon Hunter. We will talk about the lines that we're going to bet the following week. Yeah. First game that we discussed was this game. And we were both like, we know Seattle is the right side. To this second, I have not bet Seattle. I cannot pull the trigger on it. I haven't bet Baltimore either, but I haven't bet Seattle. It's a weird game, dude. It's a weird game. Um, let me throw another one at you. Okay. Uh, Kansas City minus two and a half, awful loss, much better quarterback. Uh, I've seen, I think Kansas City's defense is the best in the Mahomes era. Um, and I've seen Miami against really good competition and really fast, aggressive defenses. They're not the same. Now, the, the Dolphins got there a week ahead of time. They've got a time advantage. They are closer than Kansas City. But again, Three, I pass. Minus two and a half Chiefs. I like KC off a law, sharper square. Another really interesting one, Colin. You know how when you, when you and I used to do the, the Collins football show on Sundays on ESPN, yes. and I would get certain games where all of my reporting, all the numbers, nothing would indicate a consensus, or I would be with you and we'd say, dude, I don't care what people are saying. We know football too. This is the right side. And we'd make an executive decision. Yes. We're making an executive decision about the Chiefs. So here's a really interesting thing. The Chiefs opened as two-point favorites. It got bet up to two and a half. And then all of a sudden, between Tuesday and today, 48 hours, 
the wise guys have been pounding the Dolphins. And it could be because the Chiefs are missing Nick Bolton. It could be because the Dolphins got there earlier and people are skeptical. Are we having a real conversation here? Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Patrick Mahomes as a favorite of less than three points where you're basically saying, Patrick Mahomes, go win a football game. You don't, you don't think about this. You just bet Patrick Mahomes. This is a no-brainer. Okay, I'll give you another one. Okay. Right now, since week five, Joe Burrow, minus two and a half, home against the Bills, is completing 78.5% of his passes. Think about this. It's not a seven-on-seven drill. 78%. Take out September. Start in October. This is arguably the best team and the best quarterback without question. Now, he wouldn't be my MVP because what Lamar does, sort of the soul, the running, everything. And he's got a bunch of new pieces and it's all working. But again, the, the numbers come down. Some say it's one and a half, two, two and a half. I'm going to take Cincinnati. This is also one of those rare spots. I talked about this with Detroit on Monday night. The Lions never play Monday night football at home. So it's Mardi Gras. How many games has Cincinnati hosted that are the national TV game in Cincinnati? Not many. This is really special for them. Small market, Joe Burrow, they want to show off. I like the Bengals, minus two and a half, sharper square. Sharp. Uh, this game, was it's really interesting. This game actually opened the Bengals as one and a half point underdogs. Immediately, the wise guys started coming in on the Bengals. Sunday night, Last Sunday night, it was at one and a half. Then it was two, two and a half, three. Wise guys took a little bit of a taste at three, but that's the limit. As you were just saying, sometimes this is about the number, right? Everything you just said about Joe Burrow is true. This is a much better team since the bye week. He's fully healthy. Do not discount the Bengals defense. Trey Hendrickson is grading out as the second best pass rusher in the NFL right now. He's got eight and a half sacks, one and a half behind Daniil Hunter, the league leader in the NFL. And by the way, he's got six and a half of his sacks while the Bengals have won four of the past five games. Like this defense is starting to get into a much better rhythm. And they've been, they've played together for a long time. Their defensive coordinator has stayed there for a long time. The other side of the ball, and we've talked about this with the Bills, that makes them a scary team to bet on right now, Matt Milano, all pro linebacker. Tredavious White, Pro Bowl level corner, Daquan Jones, defensive lineman. Like they have lost guys at every level that are playmakers, not just like, okay, we got someone who can fill in. They've lost above average players. Um, that's a defense that's struggling right now. Finally, I stay away from big emotional TV games. Um, I think the number is right. Philadelphia minus three. I think one of the reasons they played poorly last week, they knew they were playing Dallas. So yeah. I think they'll win 27-23. Dak's a great home favorite. I I think the last three games against Philly, he's 3-0. and Two are nonsense. Um, you know, Gardner Minshew, one of them was a week 17 game when Philadelphia emptied the bench. Just for our audience, it, it does feel like the, the number's right to me. Yes. Uh, is there anything wise guys think? Exactly. It, it is split down the middle. No joke. Every single person I've spoken to, they find reasons to like the Eagles. They find reasons to like the Cowboys. I like the Eagles. Um, yeah. Better coach, much better coach. 
I think they have a better roster. I think they are more comfortable winning, right? The Cowboys, sometimes you watch them play and they seem like a super emotional kid who, when things are going well, like they are the happiest person in the world. And when things aren't, they don't really know how to manage it. I think Dak is a little bit too boisterous for someone who has really never won anything and takes some of these things a little bit too sensitively. And I think Jalen is so even keel and so comfortable, whether you're winning or losing. The challenge is, is Jalen hurt? Um, But I do think the Eagles as short favorites, to me, it's almost like the Chiefs. It's going to be hard for me not to take them if all I need them to do is win by a field goal. They're also a very good big game team, a big situation team. The best team right now on fourth down and third down in the league, which keeps it away from CD and Dak. I think that's a big deal. We know they're the best fourth down team with Tush Push. They're now the best third down team in big situational dramatic games. That's a undervalued stat. Move the chains. You also got to think about A.J. Brown, right? Five straight games, 125 receiving yards or more. The Cowboys secondary has been playing better, much, much better than I think people are giving it credit for, given the fact they've had so many injuries. But A.J. Brown is a different kind of player, right? Now he's a guy who's less than 100 yards behind Tyreek Hill to lead the league in receiving yardage because of the run that he's on. A.J. Brown can make people get healthy fast. So if Jalen Hurts is injured, throw the ball to to A.J. Brown, and you're going to see how quickly this team in Philadelphia starts to play a little better and starts to feel a little bit better. All right, buddy. Chad Millman, Action Network, CCO. Good seeing you, my man. Good luck to us all, Colin. The Volume. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.